Welcome to Go Additive, where your hosts combine their real-world professional 3D printing experience to deliver valuable opinions that will help you peer behind the curtain of the additive industry. And now, Go Engineer's own Tyler Reed and Tate Brown. We need a video camera. <laughs> we need a video camera in here today. Bad. Yeah. Tyler Reed was up dancing to that <laughs> for real. He came in here with the lowest energy I've ever seen. Eh, it's right on par with the low energy that you bring in occasionally. Daily. No, but you I are am, amping I'm up. high and low. I'm what high and low. What do you got in that, in that drink cup? This is cup? water. This is water. I did have plenty Any, of... Any uh, mix-ins there? Um, Yeah. But uncaffeinated. It's just like a, I don't know, true lemon, true lemon, uh, wild berry. berry. I had plenty of caffeine this morning, probably almost too much. And I'm starving. Well, you did it on an empty stomach. That was I might actually get a little jittery. Well, I think someone's going to have to feed me a banana. So today we've had. Thank you for calling that dancing, by the way. I appreciate that. Well, I don't know what else it was. Rhythmic or unrhythmic movement. Yeah, definitely unrhythmic, but it worked. <laughs> so today is kind of a cool day. We have audio plumbed in from the laptop, just in case. Um, just in case. And if you're hearing that little whir sound, it's the turbo inside my laptop trying to keep <laughs> things cool. Um, but yeah, we have audio, good audio from Colin. So if we get any listeners that want to chime in, that'll be great. Yep. Uh, if not, no big deal. But uh, we've enjoyed our listeners that we've had that have chimed in so far. It's been pretty fun. I think the contributions from the callers have been excellent so far. I feel like we've gotten really lucky. We haven't had to hit the dump button. <laughs> the, True. the call-in quality of people so far has been 10 out of 10. Yeah, I think that's maybe a testament to the type of people who are the early adopters of the app. Yeah. Sounds like we're pumping the app, which it does I just sound don't like care we're, about They're the paying app. us for the, no. I really not. don't care about the app. but I do. I, it's cool. I, you don't I, care. You're the one who suggested this. You are all about it. I don't care about like the success and the growth of the app is what I'm saying. Why not? I don't know. I'm just not connected to it at all. Yes, I think it's cool. Don't let him fool you. He's very, very much. Okay, okay. Optimism. All right. Optimism going forward. I'm. Yeah, I don't know why you were trying to downplay that so hard. I just don't want to. I don't want it to come off like we're pumping the app. Well, I think it's pretty clear. Like we don't take endorsements from anybody. Yeah. We kind of just say how we. No feel. commercials. No commercials. Which is part of kind of what I want to talk about later. Oh. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Okay, so today we're coming in a little loose. Typically, we have kind of an outline that that tells us what we're going to do today. We've got a very, very loose outline, and we're going to try and keep this one relatively short, but we'll see where our discussion goes. So how do you want to start today? With the news? Sure. What do you got? I got nothing. I only Uh, had, I'm the one that had the news article, right? uh Uh-huh. Okay, (laughs) so look this up. Do your homework. Zinger. Zinger Cars. Zinger? Zinger? Not Zinger cars, but just look up Zinger. Is it? That's the model. Chinger? C-Z-I-N-G-E-R. 
CZ. Got it. I'm on their website. What's the company name? Singer. Is it? Okay. Um, or ginger, 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 however you pronounce it. C-Z-I-N-G-E-R. Yeah, I'm going to say Zinger. Okay. So they've made news in our industry over the last couple years uh, by introducing a 3D printed chassis. And they're printing it, I, b- I believe it's a titanium. It's intended to be a titanium or alu- uh, aluminum chassis. Uh, you might have to look that up. Uh, there on the on the laptop but it's cool looking and it's it looks exactly like what you would expect it's all generatively designed so your lightweighting parts yeah the chassis on the website so as soon as you scroll down you can instantly identify components that are even if not additively manufactured you can tell that they'd be great candidates for additive manufacturing and a lot of generative design it's designed to be printed the whole thing. I'm going to learn more. I'm going to click on this here tab. Okay. Websites. Uh, okay. Here we go. So this thing is supposed to go zero to 62 miles an hour in 1.9 seconds, a top speed of 253 miles per hour, mm-hmm. breaking from a hundred to zero kilometers per hour in a hundred feet. We're really, or 30.5 meters. Yeah. And the dry weight of this thing is incredible. 27.56 pounds. It's wild. So we're under 3K. Like, That's race car specs yeah. for sure. It's a, it's a supercar. And it it's intended is, to be a supercar. It does run on gas. It's a hybrid. It's a twin turbo V8 hybrid power. The rear wheels. 50 horsepower, 550 pound-feet of torque. So... My understanding is that the rear wheels are driven by the turbo uh, gas engine and the front wheels are electric driven. Whoa, okay. Now it's saying that's the engine power on uh-huh. gas. The hybrid power, and I don't know if this is combined, but 1,250 horsepower with a 1,350 horsepower upgrade available. Yeah. Regenerative braking and torque vectory. My guess is that that's the combined horsepower. That's incredible. Because, yeah. But okay, think so, about so dude, what, the what? horsepower to weight ratio is insane. Oh, you're, yeah. you're two to one there. This is in motorcycle range in so, terms of horsepower yeah. to weight. And uh, this is intended to be a production vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> the face that you made. That's not happening. So, and that's... That's kind of what I, I hope they prove me wrong. That's kind of what I want to talk about. Okay. Okay. All right. So I was going to, yeah. Yeah. We see this all the time, right? Reporting about like, okay, this is a product. It's going to be 3D printed and it's going to do this, 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 and we're going to produce it at this level. And it's all future speaking. Mm-hmm. How many of these actually come to fruition? So far? Yeah. Very few. Few. Right. We, we are in the era, though, that some of them are starting to happen. Some, someone the dominoes will, are beginning to Someone fall. will prove us wrong and actually disrupt everything in a meaningful way. But it's yet to happen. And I have a hard time believing a multi-million dollar supercar 
is going to be that. But do you know I, what the price range for this thing is supposed to be? It's in the single digit millions. So it's a seven figure car. I don't know exactly. But I do know the price of the printers that they're using or intending to use on these. Do you know the brand? Yeah. It's advertised. It's the SLM NGX. It's the newest uh, like 12 laser system. Oh, wow. All right. Now, do they have one of those yet? I don't think so. But they've, they've advertised a, a commitment to purchase you know, m- more than one machine. But that's a very complex, expensive machine. That's, I don't know, it's like a six to eight million dollar machine. Now, I'm seeing another article here from just a day ago. Yeah. What's the title of it? This the, may have been what spurred. The Singer 21C sets another lap record at Circuit of the Americas. That's not the article that I read, but there's, I, some, there's some problems with that claim. You, you can, ooh, here we oh, go. There we go, yeah. This is YouTube. We got a nice intro, little dawn shot there, wide shot of the track. Who is sounds it? sounds badass. You can hear the turbs. Oof. I'm gonna Very jump. happily for me, we're in Austin, Texas at Circuit of the Americas, which is one of the top tracks in the US and in the world. And we're here to run this thing hard like that. Well, Texas is a cool place. It has some old school values, and at the same time, it's known as a place that has lots of high tech. The advancement from the older road racing tracks that you see in Laguna Seca and Willow Springs to a track that is a full F1 track, you know, right in the heart of the country. Current record holder for a production vehicle at Circuit of Americas is the McLaren P1. So production track, it's to be production, I think there has to be at least 500 units. Is, is that the number? I think so. Well, they have zero. Yeah, so I don't know how they can call it a production vehicle. Yeah, yeah, they can't. Not even close. And, and so this is real, though. It this is, is real. There so is how did they produce the chassis components? Printed. They are printed. So they must own an SLM machine. You can you can print parts as a service. You think they did that? I'm not sure exactly. I don't know the details. All right. But what I'm saying is that they're they're a long way from being a production vehicle. And even then, you it's easy for the casual reader to conflate that type of production, that level of production, with the production that's being done by GM, right? Where you're looking at hundreds of thousands of vehicles. Yeah. Per year. Totally different scale. So the article I read yesterday was like, is this is the Zinger heralding a new era of additively manufactured vehicles? Well, maybe, maybe not. Um, I actually have something that I want to talk about that would directly compete with additive. Um, but first Singer Motor or Vehicles. Singer Vehicles has a YouTube channel, just in case you were wondering. That's where okay. that video came from. Now, getting into your question, I just watched a video yesterday on Elon Musk buying like the largest, it's a Giga Press. I've seen this. And they're I've using seen it in it. person. Oh, you have? Yeah. I've seen the Giga Press in person. 
Yeah, evidently they had it at Fremont in California, and they hastily built a shed around it, essentially, because it was too big to fit in their factory. It was was so big. This is the story that we were told when we were there on site. They bought it used from a warehouse. I think it was an old Toyota plant. I think. That may be incorrect, but I think it was in Illinois, and it had to be transported halfway across the country. And it was so large that at certain points along the highway, they had to stop, air down the tires on the trailer, and then just inch it underneath these uh, overpasses and then air them back up and then continue on. Heck yeah. Very cool, huh? Yeah. So the reason they're doing that is because, at least in this video, the way it's explained is die-cast models like your old Hot Wheels cars, those are just pressed the chassis, the the unibodies, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Um, those are just pressed, and Elon's looking at it thinking, why can't we do this with big cars? Typical of Elon. Yeah, right. I think something like that. So they're, it's a consolidation of parts. It's a great idea, right? It's what we preach as additive manufacturers. We want to consolidate traditional assemblies yeah. into as few components as possible. Right, you're eliminating steps in the process. Can you think of why that might be a bad thing? Yeah, serviceability, repairability uh, could be problematic. And it can limit the geometries that you're capable of doing. Sure. It's not a, oh, we have this idea and there's no downsides to it situation. Right, Right. there's a trade-off. But they've proven it to be effective for Mm -hmm. what they're doing. They do have some crash uh, fix capability. There are, they make aftermarket bolt-on yeah. components if but it does need to be fixed. Like nowadays, you get in a wreck and you destroy like the B-pillar or the C-pillar on your vehicle. It's totaled. You're totaled. It's done. Yeah. So imagine if that applied to like a front-end crash of any type that damages the frame. You're out. Unless that whole front subframe bolts on and off. And that's your yeah. single component. But the point is, is the the fewer components that are involved in the chassis, the more likely that damage to any one of those totals the vehicle. But that's kind of like, well, that's what we've been facing for years anyways with unibodies. With body on frame, it's a little yeah. bit different, right? Because you have a lot more fixability. You can change cabs, whatever. But nowadays, the way cars are made as a unibody, you kind of run into that same once you bend up yeah. a unibody <laughs> chassis, it's hard to get it straight again. And uh, people who are buying the vehicles probably don't care. They're not even aware of the chassis construction on a vehicle. Mm-hmm. And so the manufacturers are going to do whatever they want to do. Sure. Yeah. So that being said, this will be competing technology, right? Because it'll be after kind of the same goal. Consolidation of parts. Yeah. Lightweighting. Simplicity. But also on that a level, lot of complexity at the I same mean, time. Okay, we've been printing powder bed fusion parts here in the office. Mm-hmm. And we've seen the print times. And you take a 12 laser system and you're going to speed it up, uh, of course, assuming everything works. But ours is a single laser. Single just laser. Just so everybody knows. Yep. The actual lasing time is maybe half the actual print time, half of its recoding and other processes. But anyway... How many hours would you guess are in one vehicle there? 
And based I, on our experience, yeah, thousands. <laughs> it's going to be a lot. It could be. Let's say, let's say it's less than thirty thousand. Let's say it's thirty full days of printing. Okay. How do to you make produce one chassis? Yeah, on a six plus million dollar machine. And it doesn't scale because of the. Speed. It doesn't scale. The only way you scale it is adding more machines. You're already at that that SLM NGX 600 or whatever it is. That's already the pinnacle of throughput on a powder bed fusion system. And in many ways, it's unproven because nothing's been done at that level with that many lasers. So you're already on the bleeding edge of what's possible. Sure. And you're still way beyond the capability. So... It's not representative in any way of like the direction of additive in cars, in my opinion. Do you agree with that? I don't know. I want to be hopeful, but yeah. I think it's journalistically negligent uh, to talk about dude, it that way. Everything is negligent nowadays. This I just is what saw, I wanted to talk about. I just saw a headline. It was a meme. It was a joke. But A it, headline? It, it was a, a, headline, a meme today, headline. Today, what's the difference between a headline and a meme? Okay. The meme of, was of a headline. Okay. It said uh, something like uh, a scientist said uh, without our, our discoveries are nothing without the proper context. Okay. And then the headline stated, scientist says they know nothing. <laughs> Yeah. And it's just a funny joke, right? Because yeah. without that additional little piece and I'm explaining the joke and now it's not funny, but it's, you, you get it. Yeah. Like, and it happens all the time because it's like, oh, of course, you know, the scientist doesn't know what they're talking about. People get all amped up about it. Why wouldn't a journalist print something like that? I honestly think that journalism, as we think about it, and like quote unquote news articles, as we think about it, nowadays are just marketing the walter cronkite Dude, days are it's, over it's just marketing sure. i mean how many of these articles that we talk about that are 3d printing focused have zero fact checking and like zero context added and it's really just it could be written by the subject of the article what do you mean okay so like the 3d printing houses articles that we've reviewed and they're mm -hmm. they give quotes from the founders of the companies yeah change the headline and change the url and it could be a press release from the company itself gotcha that's what i'm saying yeah. okay it's more or less just advertising yeah. and it's it's in the podcast in additive mostly i'd say a lot of it's just marketing not us it's like tesla Never. says we don't spend any money on marketing. That's not true. They spend a lot of money through social marketing and equipping people with vehicles that are on YouTube and et cetera, et cetera. It's just not in traditional marketing, but yeah. it's still marketing. There's no billboards. That's right. So, uh, well, yeah, this is an interesting topic because this is where we live. Right. And we have to deal with this all the time. Maybe it's not so bad in other industries with additive. It's 
it tends to be let's overpromise and underdeliver, or let's right. overpromise and hope that we can play catch up to our promises and deliver what we promised. I actually think that many of the traditional marketing outlets in 3D printing, so think about websites that are all uh, full of blogs and stuff like that, um, trade shows, magazines, trade trade magazines, it's all just marketing in disguised as journalism. <laughs> it's true. I've, I'm right there with you. It's kind of a bummer. It is a bummer. And the problem is you really, it's, it's actually hard to approach these topics because the amount of expertise that you would need to actually look at what a company is saying and then objectively evaluate what they're saying and compare and contrast that with the realities of the market, it's a very specialized set of knowledge and it also requires probably some insider information about what other companies are doing. Sure. Uh, because the amount of information that's out there that's fact-checkable is difficult. I mean, it's it's hard to find. Right. So one of the things that I think about a lot is how these journalists may or may not know anything about 3D printing or additive manufacturing yeah. in general. Yeah. And they're just a mouthpiece, right? Like, that's essentially what we're saying. And they'll say whatever you tell them. Like, hey, this is what our machine can do. Here's what our hope is for the future, or this is the future. Right. The journalist is just going to write it down. Right. Someone like you, someone comes to you and said, and you're the journalist, having your background. Yeah. You're you become then a filter. Right. You're gonna be like, that's a load of crap. That's. <laughs> I mean, are are you sure <laughs> about this, this, or that? You might do your own personal. Yeah. But very few people really know a lot about additive. Sure. There are people listening to this podcast that are like, I know a lot about additive. And that may be true. That may be true. We probably have the best listeners ever, but you, I'm surrounded by it all day. And every day I just feel like I know less and less and less. Right. And part of that is you're flooded with claims that you might be skeptical of, but you have no way of uh, testing against them. Yeah, right? Sure. And so you almost have to put up this filter of like, okay, I'm I'm going to take whatever you say, just a blanket rule. I'm going to take whatever you say and I'm going to assume 25% of it is actually true. Once you provide the context. Yeah. It's important. I, and we, again, full honesty here, we represent Stratasys as a VAR um, here at Go Engineer. But even with Stratasys, we tend to do something similar, right? They tell us, hey, here's a new product. This is what it can do. It's really, really good. Sometimes they say it's perfect. Mm -hmm. And we instantly are like, I don't want to say turned off, but instantly we're like, we need to get one. We need to get one in our hands. We need to right. use it so we can then sell it honestly. Right. And at least in the content that, that we put out, we're not going to make claims that if challenged, we can't back up. Sure. Or at least attempt to back up. Because sometimes we'll say something and we're challenged and, and we'll be like, okay, well, let me rethink that. And that's just part of, that's part of what a discussion and a dialogue is. 
Um, and I, I welcome that. And the reality is, is in this podcast, sure, we are going to have biases towards the tools that we represent, but you'll also never hear us make claims that, that you know, don't hold muster, can't be challenged successfully. So I think that's important to recognize. Holding muster. Did I, use nice. that, did I use that correctly? I don't know. I never know. heard it. No. It sounded nice. Really? Yeah. Muster? Muster. Yeah. You could also say a claim doesn't hold yeah. water. True. Muster sounds better. I don't know what it means. That's <laughs> I don't why know it sounds either. better. <laughs> but the, the reality is, is many of these people who are writing the articles actually don't require that much intrinsic knowledge. All they need to know and understand is how, to, how do I ask questions, open-ended questions that allow people to talk and maybe reveal their, their own shortcomings. So if, if a company comes out and says, hey, we're gonna disrupt the construction field, we're gonna be 3D printing these houses, and we can build a house in 24 hours, mm -hmm. or we can cut the cost by such and such percent, just ask a follow-up question. How? Like, how just do you Just like do that? a little kid. Yeah. Why? How? Very simple questions. Yep. And people, uh, you can spin them out. Yeah. If they're full of it. It's like, do you know All Gas, No Breaks? Is that a YouTube channel? Yeah. Sounds cool. I it like it cool. already from the title. <laughs> so uh, it's, it was this, it was started by this kid who I think had just finished school mm -hmm. and him and a couple of his friends get a, uh, an RV and they go around the country and they're just kind of following current events and doing a quote unquote like news, but it's mostly just like, hey, I'm gonna put a microphone in front of your face, ask very simple questions, and then just let you speak and reveal your own, in this case, usually ignorance, stupidity, that He's, sort of thing. Why would you even go on his show? Well, he'll go to like a protest and be like, why are you, why are you here? I'm here for this, 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 this. Oh, why, why is that important to you? Well, da, 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 da. Okay, how do you know that's happening? Da, 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 da. That sort of thing. Ah, just very, very just simple. Just whittles questions. them down to the bare bones just of gets their them. core belief. It just gives people exactly what they supposedly want, and that is a voice. Yeah. It's just funny. Hmm. Um, do you try and model your life after this guy? No. I, I wish. feel like sometimes you do. You think so? Every uh, occasionally. <laughs> On a win. Let people dig their own grave. Yeah. I, it's but a it's good strategy. It's yeah. a good strategy. Sure. Uh, and in fact, I inherently, <laughs> I, I actually inherently distrust people who don't give you an opportunity to talk. Yeah. People who feel the need to just fill every second with their own voice, those are not trustworthy people. That's your take? That's yeah. your hot take? Well, I think. I, I think I'm there with you, but still, yeah. that's a hot take. Yeah. So anyway, if, that guy's like 24 years old. And he, he just started a new channel called Channel 5 because he lost, he signed away the rights to All Gas, No Breaks. Got to make that money. Well, he accidentally... Go like, for the cheese. He was taken advantage of. He was oh, exploited. Really? I think so, yeah. Some people say that about college athletes. Well, he, he created a brand and a company came in, a media company, and said, hey, we want to put you on salary, et cetera, et cetera, but... We also want to own the rights to the brand. And the dude was like 
early 20s, signs it. They gave him full creative freedom, but as he started doing some more of like, I mean, the world's, the the nation's been crazy, mm-hmm. right? So you can imagine you're going to all of these different sure. protests and things like this Start that are to like get very political. polarizing, very yeah. political. And the media company's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And he's like, dude. So it turns out like <laughs> maybe he doesn't have full creative rights and now he doesn't own the brand rights. So he left. He left. Yeah. How's it doing since he left? Probably pretty well because he took his team, which is like three people, and they were actually the value creators. They were the ones that well, were creating not, all not the his product. How's all gas, no brakes doing now that they're gone? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Supposedly they're doing a TV show now, hmm. and we'll see. The, the kind of the crappy thing is, is there is value in branding, right? And so even when if a company changes ownership or if the people within the company, the decision makers leave, people may not pay attention enough to understand that. We, we see it in bands all the time, music bands, right? Yeah. Where they absolutely. still tour two decades later. And it's like, no, none of the people are the same. Journey. Yeah, exactly. There's a few of the same people, but yeah. The lead singer. Which is kind of a key person. <laughs> as long as their voice sounds the same, we don't care. <laughs> the thing is, we never see them anymore nowadays. You hear artists yeah, but they on still Spotify, go on tour. but yeah. They still go on tour and they sell tickets. I and went, it's a thriving business. I went to Journey uh, at Vivid part of Smart problem. Home Arena. Mm, you're part of the problem. I also saw the Eagles right before Glenn Fry died. Did you? In Vivint. Nice. Incredible. Nice. So don't get I, me wrong. I, I do like that people are writing about the industry. I just wish that the, in, the integrity of the writing was held to a higher standard. And instead it's just bloggers who want clicks and they want people to come is that what you're calling journalists nowadays? Just bloggers? That's a downgrade. I mean, if you look at the Venn diagram between bloggers and journalists, there's probably significant overlap. Okay. Nowadays? Yeah. So that, you're peeved. I feel like I just ranted for however many minutes. You're sufficiently peeved about that. Are you okay now? I'm fine. Okay. Nothing, <laughs> okay. Nothing's going to change. I'm just change. making sure. So yeah. I, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. It also, it, it makes it difficult for us, and we've talked about this before, when someone new to 3D printing or even someone that's somewhat familiar with it comes to our lab, wants to see what's the latest and greatest. Yeah. And you're like, we're still doing FDM, you know? Yeah. And we have this big ass machine now. It's huge and it works well. Yep. But it's still FDM. Like I get a lot of times because Stratasys comes with a significantly higher price tag, right? Yep. You, you've said it comes with an extra zero or two. Yep. And people want to see nice surface finish out of an FDM machine, which you can get as long as it comes with the caveat. It's from an FDM machine. It's, it's a nice service finish for an FDM machine. Yeah. But you can get good surface finishes from any FDM machine, and they're probably all relatively comparable. It's the reliability. It's, it's totally other factors sure. that make it a good machine. It's not, I think people want to put that dollar amount and say that it's because of surface finish. But we just, it's moving. The technology is moving. We're moving forward. And it's actually moving rapidly. But With the certain technologies. 
with certain technologies. And but the perception of the general public is it's many, many, many years ahead of what it actually is. Right. Because like, and it's well, because of this journalism. Yeah. People will come up and say, hey, I, I heard we're this 3D blogging. Yeah. I, I heard we're 3D printing cars now. Like that's what people are gonna take away from that article. Yeah. And it's like, uh like maybe the fastest production car. Right. That isn't even a production car. And this and this uh lap time is not a real thing. Like if you ask the people, the owners of the racetrack, what's your fastest lap time? Um, they go to sanctioned races. They don't go to someone who just came in and ran the racetrack. Mm. Yeah. So that's not, if you're just trying to set a record for a production car, it's different. Well, that's why you have to put all these caveats in there. Yeah, sure. And we, we see that too. You go we're on the an first, ideal day. We're the first 3D weather. printed, and then you have a string of two, three, or four adjectives thing. Yeah. Just to say that you're the first, or you're the best, or you're the fastest. So you could say there's an inflation of... <laughs> of Inflationary claims. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Which is my poor, poor attempt to talk about our next subject, inflation. Yeah. Which, uh, man. Did you get too spun up about the last topic that you kind of forgot about? I hope it didn't come off as too pessimistic, but. No, I thought it was good. I think it highlights if the value. If anyone out there is that, a journalist, calm yeah, down. It, it really spotlights the, the value that we try to bring in this pod, and that is as close to independent uh, reporting that is possible like we really you're gonna make that bold that's a bold claim that needs we to be strive, the title of this episode we strive for unbiased independent now because of the organization that we work for we do have inherent uh closeness to certain products but at the same time we have our choice in what we sell right yeah so are we hot on what we sell because we sell it, or do we sell it because we're hot on it? I Does like that it. make sense? Totally. And the reality is we do have choice in what we sell. It is our business to sell that, and we, and we do it in a way that I think is, has integrity. Like We do tell people, this is not the right tool for you. We tell people that. We suggest other brands or other technologies or other methodologies we have talked people out of 3D printing things a lot, right? Where if we wanted to, we could drive for a sale. We just don't do it. So yeah, I, I, I like to think that we, we're technically not independent, but I think that we try to have an independent point of view. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. talk to me about inflation. You wanted to get into this and, mm. and you wanted to relate it to 3D printing. Yeah. Another so, philosophical discussion. <laughs> and this is going to be a heavy, heavy episode. I actually think our last episode was one of the better episodes. Do you feel that? Yeah, it was good. Uh-huh. So what do you think? If When I told you this morning, hey, we should talk about inflation. Mm-hmm. And knowing that we're a 3D printing show, did you immediately see the connection? Was it clear? Was it fuzzy? What was your gut reaction? Oof. 
it wasn't clear to me um, because I see the price of Stratasys products, for example, one being that we're close to, is significantly higher most of the time to what other options are out there that people are looking at, right? Like just the other day, someone came in and said, I want to buy 20 MakerBots. Okay. I want a print farm of 20 MakerBots. And when we started to ask why, they're talking production. For their particular application, it didn't make a lot of sense. We talked about the whys behind. That may not be the best technology for you to invest in. That money may be better allocated somewhere else to a different technology. Um, Something that scales a little bit better. Maybe you don't have quite the same redundancy, but you're also not scaling up your problems either. And just real quick, we would have sold those MakerBots. Yeah. Right. Sure. So we're not trying to talk someone out of something that we don't sell. It it sounds like you had this conversation and your thinking was, okay, there's value in what you want, but there are more steps to the process of just printing. And there are consequences to things like reliability or serviceability or other other attributes, right? Yeah. Okay. And so when you talk about inflation, the price of the printers in my two and a half years here, I've only seen them go down. Yeah. If anything, yep. Uh, the F one two three series, for example, was relatively new when I came to go engineer, and it's a great line of printers. Yeah, I've seen the prices become more flexible. If I can, if if I can say that, they're getting yeah. more creative with the deals they want to make. Do you think that the cost to manufacture those machines has gone down? No. Do you think it's gone up? Or state level? It's probably gone up. It's gone up, no doubt. And if it hasn't gone up, it will. Because that's what inflation does, right? Inflation causes the price to produce to go higher. And manufacturers are met with a decision. Like, do you uh, pass that increase in price onto your customers? Do you absorb it? Do you change processes? to circumvent it it's a question that companies who are manufacturing products and selling products are being faced with already and will continue to be faced with already because all signs point to inflation going up now is it short term is it long term i actually don't know and i think the whole science of economics is uh they don't they don't you can't find a consensus on most things, right? Because the fact is, is like, we really don't know. So as a decision maker in a company, you're, you're likely faced with, you know, a conundrum. Like, what do you, how are you going to handle this? And I actually think 3D printing is a, is a great way for many manufacturers to handle increase uh, in internal costs. I agree. In fact, funny you say that, the company that was looking at buying 20 MakerBots, that's what they were doing. They're trying to bring really? some things in-house. Okay. So they, they, they add long lead times, which has been traditional when you yeah. send manufacturing overseas. But now it's like, now we know, we always knew there were long lead times, but now they're unpredictable. 
that totally unpredictable. Okay. That, so we that makes have to bring stuff. You need home. stability. Yes. Yeah. So the cost of having things be unpredictable is high. Yeah. So this is these are tenants of additive or three D printing that I've been sharing with companies for ten plus years now. Certain times throughout that last decade, it became more important or less important. And I think that's the point of this situation is that in times of inflation and in times of uncertainty, it becomes more important for these companies to build resilience and circumvent a lot of the uncertainties in their supply chain, their workflows, internal costs. I mean, another another aspect of this that we've heard and we've seen are more and more uncertainty in, in a workforce retention, getting people to show up and work and fill jobs. That's becoming more of a problem too. Surprising. Well, I don't know. It could be surprising and might not be. I don't know. Did it has that has that surprised you? To me, it's surprising. Yeah, I mean, I, I whenever we go visit customers, it seems like they are selling the products they make. They're not having an issue selling products, right? People want to buy more, and that's actually that drives inflation. Sure, Pe- people are are buying more. Americans are buying more than ever, and it. If you look at the supply and demand, if demand is is very high, and supply clear is for low, takeoff. I know. Sorry. It's all good. Yeah. I mean, it's typical. Are you waiting for that to die down? No, just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I get that. It's simple. Supply and demand, right? But it still, it, it just surprises me people don't want to go to work. I went to a place they had 60 job openings. 60 for an out, it was an outdoor recreation company. Um, they specialize in a singular product. Yeah. They had 60 job openings. Yeah. They can't produce, they can produce to a point, but they don't have assemblers. They don't have people there to put these things together. So they just had parts everywhere overflowing with parts because they're not going to stop producing what they can, but they do get bottlenecked. This, this time period you know, the last year and this year and maybe this next year, this upcoming year, could be an inflection point for uh, manufacturing tools like automation, 3D printing, uh, tools that have built up a reputation for improving the manufacturing process and do have a track record of doing that, but still have have yet to meet the promise that's been there like the the adoption rate that's been sure and maybe this is an inflection point where the pressures on companies to continue to operate profitably they start reaching into these tools and some other tools that i think may benefit are things like ar vr augmented reality yeah Hmm. we've used it here yeah, Stratasys has an augmented reality SolidWorks. App. A lot of these companies have tools, but the business case for them really hasn't been that clear. 
you know? But I think that there are great use cases for things like augmented reality. Yeah. You know, for technical support, internal, external training. Um, there's there's all sorts of. So as- if you were to sum up kind of how you think inflation, because you kind of, you came at me at the beginning, like there might've been a clear point. Yeah. Did I pick it up instantly? I didn't. What would you say the clear point is? What the, did you identify? The clear point is that we're in a period of inflation. It's uncertain if it's going to be short-term or long-term. And our industry, 3D printing, is really poised to... It, everything that happens is an opportunity, right? Like, if that's your mindset, if you're going to view anything that is positive or negative that's happening, you can have the mindset that everything is an opportunity. And I think inflation and uh, reduction in, in, uh, labor force and stuff like that is an opportunity for 3d printing. Absolutely. I like it. Two, two pretty good philosophical discussions today. It's too heavy. It's too early in the morning. You liked it. You liked it. You were going, you were on a roll. (laughs) So let's get into something a little bit lighter. Okay. YouTube of the week. YouTube of the week. We need, we do need a sound for this. Yeah. Maybe that'll be my project. I can come up with that today. Make it like four seconds. We might need to, I think we might need to shorten our intro. No. It is, it it gets me jamming. It builds, it's a good buildup. That's true. I'm not going to, I won't take that. And it may be. Not right now. It actually may be perfectly time for someone who doesn't want to listen. They can just hit skip, which usually in whatever app you're listening to, it skips ahead 30 seconds and you can get right on with listening yeah if you choose to do that two skips, go for it two I, skips i'm a big advo- intro i'm a big at big advocate of that i do it myself i'm not going to ask people not to do it so maybe it, it is a, a perfect length yeah you can't control me <laughs> you can't control our listeners all i need to do apparently is just delete the one copy of this file that we keep and then you'll be forced to create a new one all right so Here's my YouTube of the week. Okay. You ready for this? Yep. Let's, I'm going to play the intro. I've never watched this actual episode. Okay. But my YouTube of the week is a series. Let me see if I can get some audio going. You know what? That's, that's terrible. The audio, <laughs> so my my laptop died during that. Anyway, my YouTube of the week this week is Hoonigan. Okay. I don't, don't want to seem like too much of a bro here. I actually don't love all their guys. Um, They have a few that I like. I only know Ken Block and Travis Pastrana. This is Those like, are the two guys that I know. These are kind of like the cronies behind the scene. I think they've got a place in L.A. and they hoon. Literally all the time. <laughs> and they do a lot of cool like car um, walk arounds and stuff. But yeah. this is actually a build series. So they built the Halo Warthog in one-to-one scale. Okay. I've I've seen the thumbnails. I've never clicked into this video. All right. So they have actually gone <laughs> and they built a uh, 1,000 horsepower. It's actually a little over a 1,000 horsepower real-life Warthog. I think they do it over five or six episodes. Yeah. Um, They're skippable for sure. Like just 
kind of skip through some. If if you're really into it, watch the whole thing. They do a lot of metal shaping, fabrication, cutting, grinding. And in the end, in their finishing stages, they use additive quite a bit. Really? Yeah. So a lot that of the surprises components... surprises me. It does and it doesn't, right? Sure. Because like, they're definitely... They have good fab skills. They're making a lot of panels out of aluminum. They're doing a lot of welding. They did some woodwork on this thing. They used everything they had. Yeah. And it was actually a perfect example of like why additive being so flexible is so useful, especially when you're doing big one-off projects. Yeah. It is the way to get it done. And had they not used additive on this, a lot of things wouldn't have looked as good. So one of their difficulties was taking this small scale thing pumping it up to full size and then keeping those scale factors like they look in the game. Oh, cool. So oversized. That's important. Yeah. An oversized winch, oversized handles, things that in the game look a certain size, like the ratios. Yeah. They need to stay the same. So yeah. as you pump it up, you can't just use a regular door handle on it. You can't use regular fuel tanks. Right. You can't use normal anything. Really, I'm, I'm so happy that they committed to doing that because I'm sure. Oh, if, they got paid if, handsomely, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, no doubt. But if you were like, okay, here's a contract, you're going to make a Warthog. And if you were really trying to cut costs, you could bend on some of these things because it's the difference, it's the difference between being able to purchase off the shelf versus totally custom made. And the price difference is probably 10 or 50x. Oh, yeah, 100%. So I thought this was a fun build to to just watch, yeah. and it just so happened to include additive along the line, and I was yeah. just like, dude, That's of course. Because awesome. I was getting to a point where I'm like, you guys should have 3D printed that. You should have 3D printed. I was starting to think that as they were fabricating some of the things, yeah. and in the very next episode, they don't go into much detail. They show the parts. Yeah. They do state that they're 3D printed. But they don't go into a ton of detail like this is how additive helped us out, which why would they that yeah. that's not what's going to get them clicked. We'll see more of that. I think perhaps the reason we haven't seen that yet is it's a different skill set to get to a 3D printed part, right? You're going to have to have a CAD designer. You're going to have to have a person with access and knowledge of the printer and some other things. It's a totally different skill set. I was watching a show on Netflix, which was a competition between metal workers. Oh, yeah. What, what's that called? Oh, I don't remember. Forged in Fire? No, that's the knife-making one. Okay. But one of the guys, and it, they were all metalworking artists, and most of them were very traditional, right? So they have uh, basic metal-forming skills. But one of the guys used a... CNC plasma to create a sculpture and it was totally different than everyone else and it was it kind of caught me by surprise because the workflow is so different like if you're documenting his process a lot of it is all right what CAD tool is he using how is he designing it how is he converting that CAD design to um uh, a flat pattern and then what software is he using to do the cam on the plasma, et cetera, et cetera. It was a totally different skill set. And more traditional, older generational uh, fabricators 
typically don't have that skill set, but younger people do. Yeah. Yeah. It's very cool. So what do you got for YouTube of the week? Uh, Look it up. It's called Breaking Taps. And it's not exclusive to 3D printing, but he does quite a bit of 3D printing stuff. And uh, the one video that I watched in particular, it was sent to me by one of the Jebs here. (laughs) And it had to do with electroplating uh, resin prints to give them a very thin nickel coating, which was cool. I've seen it done. I've personally done it. My finger here is a small piece of plastic, but maybe four millimeters square. And on this piece of plastic are over a thousand hemispherical lenslets, making up a micro yeah. lens array. Sounds Each like lenslet. a nerd. Sounds Love like a it. nerd. Actually, what that sounds like is Syrah. Do you remember talking about Syrah? I Earlier. feel like I do, but I don't remember. It was the 3D printing company that was uh, creating a system that would take one laser and then shine it through a bajillion individual lenses and almost turn laser centering into more of like a DLP style Hmm. projection. I don't know why I don't remember this, but that sounds cool. Yeah, it it is cool. It was called um, area printing, something area printing. So what's this... uh, this YouTube channel about? I don't know. Tell us why it's good. The guy does great work and it's very interesting and unique. Is he a machinist? I don't think so. He's a generalist, I would say. A generalist. Well, he looks to have some good equipment. He's a specialized generalist. He has a sewing machine. He's got a CNC mill, it appears. He's definitely got some cool tools. Yeah, and he knows how to use them. That's that's the important part. <laughs> is it, though? It is. Okay. You can be a tool collector or you can be a tool user. Tell me what attracted you to this channel, because without this, I'm not going to look at it. Yeah. Tell me why. What's the why behind watching this? Why did you find yourself sucked into it? It's the d- depth of information. Okay. I can see how you'd be into that. It's very specialized, um, thorough information. And it's in practice. It's not a paper, which I read plenty of papers, but sometimes I like just watching this. Cool. Well. Breaking taps. I think that's probably it for today. That's a dang good episode. I hope so. We're on time. We got all our cables plugged in. We're good to go. All right. Well, uh, are we going to make it next week? Think so. Good deal. We'll talk then. Okay.